This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 29th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, believe it or not, Q3 is a wrap. I hope that when your numbers are reported, this quarter will have treated you kindly. By no means, though, do I pay short shrift to the fact that many are still suffering, be it from the pandemic, horrific hurricanes, and tropical storms, or from tragic losses due to fires still raging out west. Through it all, though, we've still managed to make it to week 40 of year two of the longest-running bizarre episodes of natural, political, and business history in time immemorial. And while some things seem to be trying to return to a semblance of normalcy, in many ways we are still sipping from the tallest cup of strange brew ever. Regardless of whether your experiences have been on the long or short ends of the stick, through it all, one common thread experienced by all of those with whom I speak is that there is a sense of a quickening, the feeling that things are moving more rapidly and that this pace just seems to continue accelerating each and every day. Hell, just take inventory of this past week alone. The IFA Leadership Summit in D.C., the International Franchise Expo in New York, and Springboard in Philly, all in the space of a week or or less. The Ops Conference in Chicago is just ahead, and Franchise Updates Fall Leadership and Development Conference right on the heels of that. At this pace, we'll be wishing each other a happy Thanksgiving and the appropriate season's greetings in just the blink of an eye. While I've been much slower than many to get back out there and begin traveling again, that hasn't prevented this quickening that I'm talking about from sweeping me up too, even off the road. This has still been a crazy year for us at FRM, for the podcast, and to say the very least for Graham Chapman, Dave Pazgan, and me, given the birth of Zor Forum. This, in fact, makes my case in point. Think of it. We've only had an FDD for barely nine or ten weeks, and already we've awarded three count them, three franchisees with several more expected ahead in Q4. Well, there's no denying the pace may be increasing. The need to build and manage for sustainable growth, though, remains the same. Doing it right is still job one for all who plan to make it and keep it in franchising, as you'll hear articulated today from my guest, David Bloom, Chief Development and Operations Officer for both Capriotis and Wingzone. That interview comes your way in two minutes or less. You're listening to Franchise Today. I'm Stan Friedman, and I'll be right back with this week's conversation with David Bloom. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, franchisors of restaurants, bars, grills, and taverns, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or a partially if sports programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% free programming options with nearly 50 channels of highly engaging and entertaining programming that is audio optional and guaranteed to please your customers and even increase their average ticket per visit. So here's how it works. Atmosphere hooks you up with an Apple TV HD receiver loaded with nearly 50 channels of fully licensed, no cost to you, fun and lifestyle programming. These channels include Chive and Red Bull TV, 
see bloopers, superhuman feats, and an array of viewing options that don't require sound to be enjoyed. And this offer is not just limited to restaurants or bars. No, any business with a TV screen in its waiting room can benefit from Atmosphere's free programming offer as well. So what are you waiting for? Cut the cord on overpriced cable and get Atmosphere TV with its 100% free, engaging, and entertaining programming options. Keep your guests happy while they wait to see you instead of watching the clock and their wait times. Chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto repair shops, anyone with TVs in your waiting rooms, jump onto this amazing offer today. And if you text the word FRANCHISE to 474747, Atmosphere will waive the $100 setup fee for the Apple TV HD receiver that they'll ship to you as well at no cost. Atmosphere TV, changing the way businesses view television. Find them online at atmosphere.tv and remember, text FRANCHISE to 474747 for the no-charge Apple receiver. Cut the cord and get rid of cable today with Atmosphere TV. David Bloom is an executive that believes in leading with a passion to be extraordinary, combining the ability to strategically develop and operate at an accelerated pace according to the specific goals of the organization. His history is a testament to his ability to organize and marshal the appropriate resources, lead and execute against those goals in an accelerated manner, and the ability to deliver positively on a consistent basis. Over the course of his career, David Bloom has done this across a range of companies and verticals. For the past five years, he's led the charge for strategic growth and development at Capriati's, now to include operations as well for both Capriati's and WingZone, their recent acquisition. David Bloom, welcome to Franchise Today. Hi, Stan. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. You've been on my mind for quite a while and just more and more over in the recent months and over the course of this past year, for more and more reasons, it made sense to have a conversation with you. We spoke with Matt Friedman a couple of weeks ago about Wing Zone's past and as part of our conversation today, I'm certain we're going to get a glimpse of what Wing Zone's future looks like as it's now part of the Capriotti's family. I'm going to start the way we always do with a rollback of the tape and ask you to tell us how franchising found you. But before I go there, I just want to throw a number at you and see if you have any idea what it represents. Fair game? Sure. Sounds good. 2,415. Could that be the number of interviews you've done? I don't know. <laughs> it could be. It could be, but it's not. It's a big number though, David. And that's the number of people that you and I share as first tier connections on LinkedIn. That's a big number. Not as big as your followers though, which dwarf mine. You're at 22,000 people following you, and I thought I was a big shot with about eight grand. So there's always somebody to look up to, and the audience today is going to learn why you're one of those people. So why don't you start by telling us how and when Franchising and David Bloom met one another? Sure, that sounds great. You know, first of all, when you say dial back, that's a good metaphor because I do have to go way back. I kind of grew up in the restaurant business, hotel business, in and around New York City. And as a matter of fact, my brother's still an executive chef. My sister was a pastry chef. So kind of grew up, you know, very hands-on and Went to UNLV for hotel administration, came out, worked for Brinker, Norman Brinker during the go-go years of Bennigan's and Steak and Ale, and then got involved in the hotel side of food and beverage for a number of years. And I moved to Denver, Colorado to take over a hotel for this company I was working for. And I ran into Quiznos. At the time, there were 18 restaurants only in Denver, Colorado. And I kind of always owned small startup things on my own, most of which failed, frankly, but always knew that I wanted to work for myself and got involved with Quiznos as a franchise 
franchisee. I had some partners and we became the largest franchisees. And we opened some of the first stores outside of Denver, outside of Colorado, and that became air developers and developed several hundred stores and bought another company and fast casual Asian company in Dallas that we owned and operated for a couple of years. And at the end of that, Quiznos thought there was a sort of another level possible to their growth. They were growing about 150, 200 stores a year and brought myself and a couple of other people in to put together an accelerated development program. And eventually we were opening a thousand stores a year. And I was with the company in all those capacities, franchisee, era developer, and corporate, senior corporate person, until the company sold in 2006 when there were 5,000 stores in 28 countries. So that was my education, as as, uh, you might refer to it. And how to grow brands at an accelerated pace and how to really kind of crack the code along the way to doing things people hadn't done before. So what was the year when you began in development with them? Well, I became a franchisee in 92. I don't think I actually joined the corporate team until early 2000. So I was only on the corporate side for four or five, maybe six years. So you and I didn't bang heads directly. My blimpy years were 97 through 99. And I know the Quiznos for me was public enemy number one. It was going on already. There's a small world, you know, that's a fact. So move us forward from Quiznos and what came next. I kind of took that skill set to other verticals and both franchise and non-franchise. I worked for a company called Clockwork Home Services, which owned plumbing, electrical, home heating brands and kind of helped build their franchise division. That company sold to Direct Energy out of Canada. Did it in the educational sector. I uh, was part of a very high growth sort of for-profit social good company based out of Nairobi, Kenya, lived in Kenya. It had some consulting companies, did it for a number of different companies. And then I won't bore you with the details, but I always sort of ran both operations and development. I think partially because of my background um, in both of those areas. And I had the opportunity to join Capriati's uh, almost five years ago and have been with them here based in Vegas since then. So really enjoying it and loving just to do what I get to do and work with the people I get to work with and do this kind of thing, which is share and learn along the way. You know, it's an interesting combination, and we don't see it often where somebody who can excel in their core competencies in both the operational as well as the development side of the business and really be good at both. The truth is, I think that it's better for the brand, certainly going to be better for the franchisees that somebody who is bringing the new people on board has a base understanding of what the success of the brand looks like from those that are already there. So it's commonsensical to me. I just wish we had more like you, but that's something that really is rare. Yeah, I know our goal is to build great brands, not just big brands. And I think the way you do that is by kind of focusing on the people you do business with today, your franchise partners today. And we own and operate a significant number of company shops, which is also, I think, a significant difference between us and some other franchisors. So we believe in being in the business that we're franchising and being good at it. And it also gives us a great platform for testing and developing our people and um, just really kind of aligning us with our franchise partners. And I think that's kind of what you're saying is having an alignment between operations, and I would include marketing and IT and finance and all the other departments and franchise development so that it's more of a collaborative approach, which is how we look at it. I can tell you it's paid off for us, huge dividends. And at the same time, we're growing, I think, as fast as any brand in the country. is. So I think it certainly hasn't hurt us from a growth standpoint either. We're going to talk about the introduction of Wing Zone to the recipe mix, if you will, a little further down the road here in our conversation. But I'd ask you to talk first.
first about the Capriati's value proposition and myself in the sandwich business with Limpy way back when, we stood against competition with Subway in that mm-hmm. we sliced fresh meat and they sliced meat where every slice looked the same. And we all know that no two slices of roast beef are meant to look the same. But that was a differentiator for us. What are the differentiators that make Capriati's the loving brand that it is to your raving fans? Well, I think, you know, and I will when I speak to Capriati's versus Wing Zone, they do have different value propositions and we do approach them a little bit differently, even though there's a lot of commonality on the business side of things. Capriati's is really all about the food. It always has been. It started over 40 years ago in the little Italy section of Delaware and, and they were roasting whole butterball turkeys in their ovens downstairs and living upstairs. And all of a sudden there was a line down the street. And so Capriotis has always offered product. You just can't get anyplace else. We're the, I think one of the largest buyers of butterball turkeys, uh, restaurant buyers in the world. And butterball raises a line of turkeys just for us. But even our, like our, our roast beef, you mentioned our roast beef is Snake River Farms, American Wagyu. No other national chain offers Wagyu beef. Our cheesesteaks and our beef for our cheesesteaks is done by Giordano Meats. And if you go to their manufacturing, you'll see a line where the employees are literally wearing Capriati's uniforms and shirts and producing literally specifically for us. So with Capriati's, it's always been that loyalty to offering the very best product we can and being innovative about that, obviously not kind of sitting on our laurels, but that's why people come and that's why they've been coming not just for decades, but sometimes for generations. They're extremely, we call them cap addicts. They just love the food. And as long as we keep doing that in a a way that's convenient and contemporary and relevant to them, they keep coming back and our revenues keep going up. So it's a pretty simple formula. Obviously, nothing's easy today, but, but the formula has not changed in decades. Well, I think you're best known for those turkeys and for the cold cuts, but for my part, it's the meatballs. And amazing to me that your meatballs are just standalone. So we roll our own meatballs in-house. We roast our own meatballs in-house. We like to say we go through a lot of trouble to do some pretty simple things. On the Bobby, we make the stuffing in-house. We roast the turkeys. We pull the turkeys in-house. We're doing everything from scratch. And that shows up, I think, in the flavor of the food. And you're not going in and just getting the same product. You can get it at a lot of our competitors. So before we go to a break, why don't we finish this segment out talking a bit about the difference between Capriati's pre-COVID and Mm post-COVID and what changes this past year and a half plus now have foisted upon the brand? You know, we were pretty fortunate. One of the things Capriati's we've always done is invested ahead of growth. And so we've been on the technology investment curve for years. We've always done a lot of beta testing with some of the bigger tech players out there. And I think that's one of our core competencies. And it's also one of our differentiators. We're really good at integrating technology. And so I think what we saw during COVID was our business, and I don't mean to make light of this because it's been a very difficult time for so many people, but our our business was somewhat advantage because our food traveled so well. We were so convenient. We had already had national deals with all the major aggregators out there and had optimized our relationship and our presence. We were already really good at all the things that COVID kind of accelerated. So we did not have to pivot. We had to enhance a couple of things like contactless delivery and 
all of the safety protocols that, that we took really seriously, but that was not difficult for us. So what we experienced and have experienced over the last two, three years is continued record growth, record revenue and profitability. So we've been very fortunate. Like I said, I know that's certainly not the case and it's not due to any fault of anybody. It's just, we were in a good place and the right product at the right time. Again, I know that's hard for some people to hear, but we were actually somewhat advantaged by the entire crisis. Has it caused any changes to the design of the restaurants? Have you altered the size of dining rooms? Have you added more window or over-the-counter opportunities for food off-premise? Yeah, we already had cubbies. We already had downsized our restaurants because we already pre-COVID, we were doing the majority of our sales were consumed off-premise. We already had open kitchens. We already had really efficient designs. So we are constantly iterating the brand going forward, and we'll be we'll be introducing a what we call CAPS 3.0 test here next year to continue that process and continue integrate artificial intelligence and back of the house automation and kiosks and all those kind of things into our, our updated designs. But for us, that's just a nonstop investment that we make ahead of growth. And as I said, we always do it in company stores first, which gives us a big advantage in terms of being able to have that innovation pipeline, put it to test and really kind of work out the kinks and see if it's worthwhile before we even introduce it to any franchisees. What about day parts? Has it altered your ability to manage the labor problems that we've all encountered? Have those caused you to shorten any of your hours or shift your hours? No, not at all. I mean, I don't think it's for anybody that's kind of been watching the industry, the the labor challenges, whether it's rates or labor shortages, should not be a surprise. And so we kind of had this as part of our roadmap for several years. How do we become more efficient, more effective, have better customer service with less people? An easy example of that would be instead of having employees sitting around answering phones, having an artificial intelligence answer the phone that injects the orders directly into the POS terminals. And so there's there's been ways to do that. And, and all of that tech keeps getting better and better really fast. And we try to stay on the forward edge of all of that. I think there's one thing everybody can agree on, no matter which side of the equation they've landed on through COVID. Technology was already moving at an accelerated pace, but I think COVID has taken that and exponentially advanced changes that technology brings to every business that's putting food out a window over a counter or served up on a table. Yeah, you know, I don't think that should be a surprise to people. I mean, the technology adoption curve says that. It's been classic. It's been around for years. I do think, though, that the restaurant industry, to be candid, was kind of archaic for many years. And so it was really ripe for disruption. You know, we work with a lot of these tech companies, these robotic companies and back of the house automation and artificial intelligence and virtual reality. We're working with all of them and they think differently. They have a technology paradigm which is fail forward fast and invest for the long term, knowing you might not get a return on that investment for many years until you hit some level of scale. That was never the paradigm for the restaurant industry. Restaurant tours were typically, I invest a dollar this morning, I want $3 back by tonight, right? Like that was kind of the, the proposition that a lot of restaurants still candidly operate on. And we had the luxury, I think, first of all, because of our investors, because of our board, we had the luxury of making some of those longer term investments. And I think 
companies that have done that well, like Panera and Domino's, et cetera, have done really well over time. It makes sense to me, David. I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break right here. And when we come back, let's dial WingZone into the conversation and pick up on the future plans for both WingZone and Capriotis as we move into Q4 this year and beyond. We're speaking today with David Bloom, Chief Development and Operations Officer for Capriotis and WingZone. And we'll be right back. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. My goal each week is to bring you information from those who have been there, done that. Well, that describes my good friend Jerry Henley and his Launch to Growth consultancy to a T. At Launch to Growth, their motto is scale to get better before you scale to get bigger, which could apply to new emerging concepts just as easily as to established legacy brands where culture and processes have degraded over time, leaving less profitability for both the Zor and the Zs. Using proven system and soul tools and solutions. Launch to Growth teaches you how to drive unit level success across your entire franchise organization, positively impacting both your culture and bottom line. You see, franchise or success is not just about systems. It's also about the soul of the people. Jerry's programs create a win-win franchise model, defining and aligning franchisee and Zor success so that everyone achieves their respective goals. It's franchising done right, deploying a four step process for scaling smartly, utilizing the proven system and soul software platform and methodology. Create alignment, build trust and accountability with systems and processes that actually work to scale profitability across all areas of your organization. Learn more about Jerry Henley and System and Soul at his website, launchtogrowth.com. Tell him you heard about it on Franchise Today for a no-cost, no-obligation initial consultation. Once again, and find them at launchtogrowth.com. And my conversation with David Bloom continues, Chief Operating as well as Chief Development Officer for not one but two brands, Capriotis and Wingzone. And of course, David, I'm sure you know that Wingzone is a part of my alma mater. It's part of my past, part of my history. So <laughs> I'm curious as a consumer and as a franchise pro to know what you're going to be doing with Wingzone that Matt and Adam set the table for. But I'm also, as an interested third party, <laughs> curious where it's going. So yeah. take us back to that. What was it that Capriotis was looking for when Wingzone? zone rang the bell for you guys you know we were in the search for an acquisition for quite a while and had come close to some others but we we just didn't pull the trigger and didn't feel, feel like they were exactly what we we're looking for we were looking for something in our wheelhouse something that we feel like we're really good at and that is this fast casual category we like it you know, heavy off-premise consumption, very robust return on investment model, high growth opportunity, small real estate footprint, and very efficient from a labor standpoint. So something that fit from that fast casual standpoint, high off-premise consumption, Capriati's, you know, the majority of our food is consumed off-premise, certainly wings fit that. And then lastly, the opportunity to grow to be at least the number two in the category. I would say Wingstop, clear on number one. And then I actually think if you look at the space with 70 restaurants in the QSR space, Wingzone was actually the second largest. So huge, huge gap between number one and number two. And we felt like we had the resources and the horsepower and the ability to to really kind of level it up and take it there and grow it robustly. And that's what I think Matt and Adam were looking for, the founders. They had done 
done a great job building the brand. It, it was very innovative in terms of introducing flavors and delivery in the early stages. They, they really wanted to see it go to the next level and become a truly great national and or international brand. And they believed we were the right partners. There was really good alignment from a value standpoint between us. And those are things that are really important to us. So once we found the right brand, it was pretty easy actually to, to get alignment and get, and get things done. So take us behind the curtain. What are some of the things that are going to be different about Wing Zone than those things that we who have been part of it for years are used to? Well, I think with Capriati's, we learned Ashley and Jason are still the majority shareholders together of Capriati's when they acquired the brand about not quite 15 years ago. They didn't force change on the existing franchise partners. So everything I'm about to say is sort of on a go forward basis. We were not looking to interrupt what was already a successful business for a lot of franchise partners. But we felt like going forward, the brand had a lot of opportunity for really updating and what I would call optimization to become more of, from a analogy standpoint, more of, say, the dominoes of, of the industry, where we're kind of a restaurant slash technology company that's very, very convenient, very efficient, and that's where we win. So we engaged probably one of the foremost restaurant consulting companies in the world based out of Madrid. They're called Livet Design. And they really helped us through this entire process. And I got a shout out to them. They've done a phenomenal job in helping us think through and do all this. We never could have done it by ourselves. And looking at every single aspect of the business on how do we update the brand and certainly make it more relevant and contemporary to not just the current wing customer, but where the wing business is going, which is it's become more center of the plate where people think about wings as an everyday food, not just something you eat while you're watching football games, right? So that was number one. One is just completely updating the brand, introducing, as I said earlier, a ton of technology to make it more efficient, make it easier to order from us, to do business with us from every aspect. And that's literally every single touch point you can imagine, not just POS systems, but front of the house, back of the house, all the digital platforms and making sure they all are integrated and seamless. Our tagline going forward is flavor really fast. And we will certainly be the fastest in the industry in terms of being able to put food, really hot, crispy wings out of the kitchen in record time. So if you can get to the consumer fast with a great product and a very convenient way of doing business, then you have a good shot at winning. And combine that with our leadership team, with our management team and our sort of reputation of getting things done. And I think, you know, we're in a good position. I think you made a statement that resonated with me when you said about being number two behind Wingstop. I think that there's a huge lesson here for emerging franchisors that may be dialed into this conversation about really knowing your place and where you fit into the market scheme of things. Everybody always wants to strive to be fastest growing or number one or best in category. And sometimes you can do a lot better being the Avis of a category and <laughs> being second to number one. What do you think about that? You know, to begin with, I think knowing who we are, what our differentiators are, and making sure they're real and of value to consumers and to business owners is first and foremost. So being and getting really good at that is our prime concern. So I think what you do and where you are first and foremost in the short term is a whole lot more important than prognosticating about dominating the world 20 years from now. So is the dog barking for wings or for a Capriati sandwich? Which is it? My house is being painted, so he's not happy, <laughs> he's not happy with the painters, apparently. I apologize. 
for the sake of the audience, I just have to share that I apologized in advance to David that my dog would likely do that. And he came right back and said, and let me do the same because it could happen. So <laughs> we'll indulge the dog because we're all dog lovers on franchise yeah. today. Thank you. So what about the demographics for Wing Zone? We used to look for locations that were around campuses, around military bases, that were mm -hmm. around factories mm -hmm. or second and third shift opportunities. Has any of that changed? Yeah, I think the current wing customer, it's a much broader audience. We identify our customer base, not so much in terms of demographics, but in terms of lifestyle. And it's people that just like to live an active life. And so it's not necessarily just people that are watching professional sports, but people that are engaging in flag football or esports or all different types of activities, just going out and having fun and living life. And that's our consumer. So it's a broader audience that we're looking to speak to. And we think that's kind of where the business is going. You go to Buffalo Wild Wings and Hooters and all these concepts that have essentially been sports bars. Wings were so tightly tied to professional sports. And going forward, we think there's there's just a lot more acceptance of wings as a, as a lunch alternative, as an everyday food, and not just an indulgence that you get when you're throwing a party for friends. David, in the time we have left, let's spend some time talking about the profile of a franchisee and who it is you're looking for. Are you doing multi unit deals only, or are you offering opportunities to single unit buyers? And are you packaging the brands together in a co-brand in any way, shape, or form? All good questions. We are primarily a multi-unit operator system. All of our support systems are really designed for people that intend to own. Usually our franchise partners start with three to five units. I'm not a proponent of selling people 50 and 100 units for controlling an entire state. And so we do work primarily with multi-unit operators, although we have a few single-unit operators, but all of our technology, all of our data platforms, information, all of our management systems are meant for people and designed for people that are pretty sophisticated business owners and expect that level of information and support. So that's our primary market. We have quite a few Capriati's people that are doing wings on, and we have some wings on people that are now doing Capriati's. We have a lot of multi-unit operators, though, of other brands, Checkers and Rallies and Yum! Brands and Taco Bell, KFC, everything you can imagine that are interested in it. I think partially because of our reputation for being really good people to work with and partially because they, they like the opportunity. They like what we've done with the brand. So I guess our philosophy in a nutshell is number one, find the right franchise partner first and then decide whether you're going to go into a market. I'm much more concerned with having the right partner. And for us, the right partner has as much to do with values alignment as it does anything else. Are you working through broker networks? No, we don't do broker networks really. And we don't use area developer models. I'm not a fan of either one of those. I think they're both great for growing fast in the restaurant business, but I'm not sure they're as good for supporting and building a great brand long-term. And that's, as I said earlier, that's really our goal. One last place I want to go before I ask you if there's anything I didn't ask that you wish that I did. What about benevolence? and corporate charities. How do you fit into that sphere? We have a program called CAPS Cares. And so we're very involved in the community and the communities in which we operate. But I would say our, to some degree, our focus is our family, people that work with and uh, for Capriati's and or Wings on around the country and internationally as well. So we look to help the people <laughs> that we're closest to first and foremost, and to work in the communities that we're doing business with first and foremost. And so we take a very localized, I say, I guess I'd say personalized approach to that versus, you know, more of a global approach. 
So the nuggets that I'm hearing for any emerging stores that are dialed into the discussion is quality over quantity and you're running marathons and not sprints. Yeah, I think both of those statements are very true. And just to wrap up a little bit, the number of times you really see brands go from small startups to regional to national to international and long-term success, the number of brands that actually do that every five to 10 years is actually pretty small. And so doing it the right way pays big dividends at the end. You can grow faster. You can do all those kind of things. But if you're really looking to build value, long-term value for all of your constituents, all your investors, your board members, your employees, your franchise partners, everybody, you got to do it the right way. And that takes a lot of time and energy and investment. The way I term that for years is sustainable growth comes through sensible franchising. Yeah. And and for me, as I said, sensible franchise is all about starts with having the right franchise partners. I think we are both in the most disruptive time our industry has ever seen for a whole variety of reasons. And we're probably in the time of greatest opportunity our, our industry has ever seen. So I'm really excited. We're really excited about it. But we also know it's going to be a crazy ride. What about some contact info for any of those listening? that may want to get in touch about either or Capriati's or Wingzone or maybe to continue a conversation with you on some personal advice. Sure. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm always, as Stan said, I've got, I think, 20-some thousand contacts, mostly that come from things like this, people just wanting to network and you know build relationships. You can email me at david.bloom at capriati's.com. All my contact information is open. It's on my LinkedIn profile as well. David, it's been a treat. I'm glad we finally got it done. Well, thank you, Stan. I Again, I really appreciate it. David Bloom, Chief Development and Operating Officer for both Capriotis and Wingzone. Well, that's a wrap for today. Next week, I'm joined by a guy who does for franchise finance what Match.com does for individuals. Mike Rosman, CEO of Bowfly, will be my guest next week. Until then, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them on at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.